Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Wendy Romeu and Rebecca Granger of Aluvonic. Uh, Wendy is the CEO, and Rebecca is the Director of Strategic Programs. They are a firm that is in the 8A program and is doing some great stuff that I'm excited to, to listen to and have the, the podcast listeners listen to around some of the, the issues that we see in the government contracting space. They support government contractors as well as direct support to the government. So welcome both of you to today's podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about Aluvonic. You guys you guys have been around for a little while and have been doing some great work and I am not going to do it justice. So I will let you actually speak about the work you guys do. Awesome. And thank you, Lauren, for having us. We are a project management process improvement engineering services company. So we can either be your PM uh, or we can help your organization grow your project management office. We give PMP classes. We give PM one-on-one training. We know earned value. We know scheduling. So anything related to project management, we are experts at. And then for process improvement, we do CMMI, which a lot of contractors need for to do engineering or services work for the government. We do CMMC, which is the new cybersecurity model maturity certification that contractors are going to need in the future to work with the DOD. And then we also support ISO Lean Six Sigma. And for engineering, we do product development. So um, our internal core capability is mechanical engineering. So how what is your split between uh, business to government and business to business consulting? You, you do both. Do you do more to the government? Do you do more to businesses? Right now, we most um, I would say 80 percent of our business is supporting the defense industrial base, Got so it. supporting the primes. Got it. And that there, there are some challenges there that we don't talk about in this podcast very often, but there, there are some fairly substantial differences between working with the government and working with government affiliated business customers. What do you what do you see as the those differences? Right. So the government requires that the primes and 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 when I say primes, small businesses, you know, medium businesses, large businesses uh, have all this infrastructure in place. Uh, and and sometimes the government doesn't have that infrastructure themselves. Yeah. But uh, we, you know, it's just supporting those organizations so that they have what they need to do great work for the government. So the cybersecurity piece, of course, is is the biggest piece right now. The government's trying to figure it out, right? They're trying to figure out what they want and, and how it's going to, going to roll out. And, and they're a little bit behind schedule, but it's moving forward. So we do have a lot of primes and small companies that are supporting primes that are feeling the pressure to get their CMMC mm-hmm. um, that, that journey on 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 track, and those are the companies that are going to you know excel in the future because they're going to be ready for it. It's not something that you're going to be able to turn on, you know, like like light switch. It's about changing hearts and minds of the people in your organization, and that's what we are really really great at. Yes, that's that's really it. It's it's not just the work that you're doing. It's not just the change that you're making. It's the change management that matters the most in any of these things, right? It's it's not making the the physical changes to your structure. It's getting the buy-in from all the people who are going to have to use that. I mean, the physical changes aren't easy, but they're not hard. 
it's it's the rest of it that's hard. Right, exactly. So, you know, if you need a policy written, we have all the processes and procedures, we have all the templates necessary. Um, and if you need a piece of software or hardware, we have partners that we bring in for that. But it's changing the organizational change management piece, right? Just like you said, Lauren, the understanding where you're going to have difficulties in in changing people's habits and perspectives and and making sure that they do the things that they need to do to keep you compliant. Uh-huh. And it takes, you know, people are the ones that are our weakest link sometimes. So uh, we focus a lot on organizational change management with all of our projects uh-huh. uh, because that's it's critical. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how great the piece of paper is or the software is. If the people don't want to use it or they don't understand it, then they're not going to use it and it's not going to be a success project. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's funny. We've been doing this for our customers for years and years and years. And then we went through a major organizational change and it was, it's harder to do it when you're inside it. Um, it's really much easier to have someone from outside help with that organizational change management, which I thought, you know, I thought, hey, we, we've been doing this forever. We can do this. But it, it, it does take a lot more if you're doing it from the inside and you're smack dab in the middle of it while you're trying to negotiate and navigate uh, everyone through it. So it really does help to have someone from the outside there. So let's talk about the fact that you, so you've got about 20% of your business that that is in the government. And I know you've been wanting to expand that as well. You're in the 8A program. What are the challenges you're facing in getting through to, to, to getting government contracts and, and what have you? Yeah, and when I say 20%, we are 20% as a subcontractor. We've we've not had a, a a prime contract as of yet, but you know we're a subcontract for a for a direct government contract. Uh-huh. And and the difficulties, I think it's been you know relationship building, right? Uh-huh. We don't. And as a small company, you know we we're trying to make sure we're we're working with government agencies that that want or need what we have to offer mm-hmm. and then trying to find the people to talk to, to educate them about what we have to offer and being a small company, we only have limited resources. So we're navigating these waters by trial and error because there's yeah. not a map that says, Oh, you know, these three agencies in Orlando want project management or need process improvement or need mechanical engineering support. Right. right. Um, there's FedBizot or now Sam beta Sam. Right. Uh, but we're just, it's about the relationships and educating them on what, um, what we do and making sure that we're talking to the right people. So let's talk about what you've done to build those relationships. This is what I hear consistently from businesses, particularly those that started in the B2B space or, you know, work at least substantially in the B2B space and are trying to break into the government space. They've got a great product, right? There or a great set of services. They're really set up. They're a strong small business that can do the work, but they simply don't have the entree. And Beta Sam, as much as anyone from any small business office is going to push you over to that. Uh, is not the place that you're going to get your for your first or or any government contracts without knowing who the customer is, what they're looking for. If you're just seeing it on Beta Sam for the first time, you're toast. It's not your P win or your probability of winning that that work is almost zero. So let's talk about what you guys are doing, and then we can talk about what else you might be able to do to get to those relationships, to get in, to talk to those 
customers make sure they know what you need, what you, you have and make sure that they want you. So what are you guys doing now to do that? Right. So well, in the past, you know, really reaching out to the small business liaisons for the different agencies okay. that we're targeting and that we think want, would like to work with us and, and doing that research ahead of time. And before we meet with them, of course, we, we look and see what opportunities they have and make sure we we try to align some of our services to how we can help them with a problem. So that we're, we're trying that. And we, of course, are working with primes to you know, also help foster some of those conversations mm-hmm. and the primes that are already in there, you know, they know, oh, this agency or this, you know, this customer needs you and 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 are starting to help facilitate some of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Those are the main things that we're doing now, you know, going to conferences, going, you know, just being or being where they are. Now, of course, with COVID, there are, that's a lot harder. A lot right? harder. Yeah. Everything's virtual, but we're just trying to keep the relationships that we had already started current and continuing to talk to those people and then trying to find new people to share what we do and and hopefully some of the great work that we do do they need right right so and that's that's a good start it is probably not yielding you as much as you would want i'm guessing um particularly when you haven't gotten your your first prime contract yet so that can be there are sometimes that that works really really well uh, there are other things that we can talk about that you can do. One of our mentors years ago would sit us down every, I don't know, three, six months, and he'd say things consistently that we would go, yeah, you're crazy. And then six months later, we'd be like, do you, do you remember what Greg said? He's totally right about this. One of the things he said to us very early on, I want to say two or three years into the company, when we were maybe 10 people, 15 people. He said, you've got to make strategic acquisitions. And we kind of looked at him like a crazy person. I'm, you know, he was with one of the large consulting firms. And we were like, you make strategic acquisitions. We don't. I don't have the money to make a strategic acquisition. I barely have the money to, to kind of limp along. And his concept of it was people are strategic acquisitions. So... Oftentimes, what I have seen effective firms do in leveraging into the government space is to, quote, buy someone with those relationships. And that doesn't have to be a full-time person. We have some amazing subject matter experts that are uh, advisors to WWC Global who aren't looking for full-time work because they are retired. They are kind of enjoying their time off, but don't want to be fully disengaged. And they have those relationships, but also the knowledge of the specific agencies that they're coming out of. So one of our great acquisitions in in this concept was someone who had been the deputy comptroller of the army and then of DOD and then had gone to OMB and had financial management relationships literally everywhere across the Department of Defense, and we do financial management. We got a number of contracts a couple of ways. One, because, you know, he dropped emails to people and said, hey, I'm now working for this little firm. They're great. They really know financial management better than any of the the large firms, better than any of the other small firms. I picked them over the other firm that had asked me to go because this is how they do it. 
And so, you know, a couple of people ended up talking to us because of that. We also put him on RFIs, uh, request for information. And we got a couple of bites. And in fact, I think we got two contracts, direct award contracts under the 8A program, specifically because people recognized his name. So that relationship building can come from what our mentor had called an acquisition, but really is is a hire, a strategic hire. So there's an, a way to build relationships that way. That's not the only way that you build relationships. You can build relationships with the small business office, but as you've probably seen, you can get stymied if what you're doing is going in there and saying, here's all the great things that we can do. Where should we be? I know you're doing your research. I know you're thinking through this stuff. But if you're not looking at here's an acquisition, you know, on your forecast that we're really interested in, we, you know, we know it's going to go small business. We'd really like to talk before it comes out six months, nine months, 12 months in advance. We'd really like to sit down and talk to the program office. Can you facilitate that conversation I'd really like to understand what they're facing, what they're doing, that sometimes the small business office is the key to getting in. Most times they're not. They need a specific ask. And I, our relationships with small business offices, one here in Tampa in particular uh, at SOCOM, is incredible. And Chris Harrington has been an overwhelming partner to us and to other small businesses. But it is most effective when, when we call him and say, hey, can you tell me who the point of contact would be for this or who the program manager on the government side is for this? Can you tell me, are they looking at putting this aside for small business? Can you tell me they're very specific questions or asks as opposed to, hey, I'm a really good small business that does this? Because as much as I know that you guys do great program management, I can't tell you how many firms are going into every small business office and telling them we're a great program management firm. Right. Right. So you've got to know what you're looking at. You know, if you go into USAID and you say, hey, there are these mission support efforts, right? Uh, for each mission. I'm really good. I know this isn't you, but I'm coming up with something that isn't you very specifically. I'm really good at at working projects and problems overseas. And I've got a great, um, I've got a great network in Colombia. Great. Go into USAID and say, I'd really like to be able to talk to the mission in Colombia. I know they've got, they've got a mission support service contract coming up because I see it on your forecast. It's coming up in a year. Is there any way you can get me to someone at the mission? So that's really important to, if you are using and leveraging the small business office, use it and leverage it in a way that they can get you what you're asking for. If you're too broad, they're going to take your, your slick sheet and they're going to stuff it in a desk and may, you know, and file cabinet in their desk and maybe Maybe at some point when somebody says, hey, I need a program management firm, they might pull out your slick sheet and say, here are three, use them or, you know, look at them. Right. But that's not, I mean, that it sometimes can work in the 8A program. It works in the 8A program a whole lot better than 
not the 8A program because at the end of the year, they might pull out your slick sheet, but just as easily they might not. Right. Um, so, so one of the things I talk and I've talked on the podcast about before, but I'll say it again because it really is important for small businesses, is the, the, the kind of three things you need for a, a contract and how you can leverage 8A for the third thing is the greatest part of the 8A program. But you need the first two things before you can get to the third thing. And, and I know, Wendy and Rebecca, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, the three of us before, but you need both, well, all three, a bona fide need, um, hopefully a bona fide need that, that they want you for, right? So either it is a contract that is out on a uh, forecast, or better yet, something that has never appeared on a forecast, but because you have a relationship with a customer, they've turned around, you know, this is something they're struggling with and you help them figure out, hey, wait, I could really get you guys to do this for me. I've got this project that's sitting over here um, that has never gotten attention, that has never been program managed, that is it's just biting at our ankles and, and we've never done anything, but I don't have the staff to do it. So I need someone to come in, work this project and then leave, which is perfect for contracting. So can you come do this for me? So number one, it's a bona fide need. And, you know, hopefully it's a well-scoped need. You can help them do that. But it is it is something that is truly a need that they have. Second thing that is always difficult, particularly when we're talking about fiscal austerity, is that you then need the funding to do it. So you need not only the bona fide need, because there's all sorts of bona fide needs out there in the government, right? I talked to, to government people all the time who were like, God, I really need someone to do A, B, and C, but I have no money. And sometimes they'll turn to you and say, I, we've, we've had one international command do this repeatedly. Hey, we have no, we have this bona fide need. We have no money. Can you do it anyway? Um, no, government is not not actually allowed to take any uh, services for free. Nor are we in the business of giving services for free. So you need that. You, you need the the funding, and you need real funding, right? You need something that can be obligated in that year, or you know, at in the next year to this requirement. Right. One, you have that. So those two things are really hard to do. Right. And that's what we're talking about, about how to get to the relationship so that you get to the bona fide need. The money is you just have to get really smart at or help your customer get really smart or hopefully have a customer who is really smart at finding those uh, drips of funding, particularly at the end of the year. At, at your size, a lot of what is going to come is going to come right at the end of the year when they try to roll up funding. So getting to the the commands or the agencies that are going to have funding at the end of the year and making sure you're positioned with a bona fide need when they have the funding. The last thing is the vehicle. And this is where 8A is like the greatest thing ever, because most firms struggle with not having a way for them to easily get to them. And so it has to be a big competition or it has to go. This is where a lot of times you will end up as a subcontractor because someone has some broader contract vehicle that that this need can get put under. And those are good, good options. But the direct award capacity of 8A 
is a remarkable tool to use, but you have to have the first two things. So I'm going to stop there and because I just gave you a whole lot of stuff and let you ask any kind of concepts, questions about how to do that and how to get there or any thoughts about what what you've struggled with in those three pieces. Yeah, no, thank you for all of this. This is this is terrific. The thing we're struggling with, because like you said, everybody goes to the small business office and say, and we'll say, you know, we also do PM, especially, you know, there's always project management on these contracts. Right. Uh, and so like, oh, you know, we do project management too. But but what makes us different is that is that is the core of who we are. Like that is what we do. And there's other things, you know, we do project management when we're doing CMMI and CMMC and, and all these other services. But we are to the core of what we do is project management. So, you know, I think we're struggling with trying to pull out those pieces and convey that you we know you likely have a issue with your project management because we know a lot of companies that say they do it, but they don't do it to the purest, you know, part. But right. we that is who we are. So and I know I know they hear that a lot. So I don't know how to differentiate ourselves from except for we're part of all these organizations and we give training and we we help people get their PMP. Like what we do is is different, but it's right. that communicating why we're different has been a problem and, and, and correlating that with a specific need because yeah. we're not on the inside. We're not talking to them about how, you know, where's the issue that you're having and, and having and, and facilitating those conversations. We're not getting that far. Yep. That's really hard. I mean, again, this concept of the strategic acquisition, if you, if you are going to buy into and, you know, resource against, getting into the government. The government space is a great space to be in, right? But it is a difficult space to break into. And breaking in as a subcontractor is absolutely the first step. I don't know of many or any, no, I I take that back. I know of one firm who just walked in and got their first prime contract. She was on the podcast. She was the Tampa Laundry Company. And she walked in and got her first contract, having never done anything with government contracting, knowing nothing about it. But that's a one-off. I really can't think of anyone else who's done that. So the subcontracting is is the first right place. But there's there's a couple of places. There's a couple of ways you you kind of buy into this. One of them is now you're a subcontractor. You make those relationships and you leverage those relationships into concentric circles. So you've got a good relationship in that customer office. Well, what who do those customers know? Can they introduce you to someone? Can they be your advocate in the agency they came from before? You know, so that's one way that you leverage those relationships. And again, the other way is get someone who knows government and government contracting because it's darn near impossible to get the relationships. Learning how to do it is not actually that hard. It takes a long time. It's it's not easy, but it's the relationships that it that are almost impossible. And particularly in a COVID environment, right? When you aren't able to kind of meet and greet with people. And so either leveraging the relationships you already have because you're a sub or deciding that it's not worth doing the government piece. Either of those, I mean, that's, that's a legitimate opportunity or an option too, right? It is absolutely legitimate to say, you know what, we're just not going to go after government work. But if you're going to, it, 
it really does take some significant resources. Yes. And I, I, we're finding that and we, we've had that internal discussion and, you know, and, and if after the 8A, you know, expires and, and we haven't made some significant progress into there, you know, that right. might be, I, I am completely fine, you know, helping the primes do the things they need to do so that they're yeah. successful with the government work. I mean, that is a space that we know and love and we're really, really good at. And it might ultimately end up, you know, being that way. Yeah, no, I think that's I, I think that's fair. And I think that's a legitimate thing. It is this government space is hard. It's not impossible. And 8A certainly does help. But you're right. The relationships are the absolute most critical piece. If you are working with primes, right, getting them into their CMMC compliance state, doing the, the CMMI or the ISO and they see how good you are, the other opportunity that you have is to leverage those relationships, right? Hey, recognize I'm an 8A woman-owned small business. You've seen how good we are at program management. If you need someone to do program management, remember, we're here, we're good at what we do, and you know you get to check the boxes. So that is a reasonable opportunity as well, is to leverage those relationships They've seen you, they've seen your credibility, they know how good you are, and they can put you into contracts as a subcontractor. And that's how you make those relationships. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a sub, if if the customer is seeing you do great work that is above and beyond what they've seen from others, then you're going to have those relationships there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you. So it's hard. Look, one of the things I think that people don't get because it seems like, and you know, God love them, the SBA staff, the PTACs, the small business advisors at the commands, they make it seem so clear and easy, right? Just bid on, you know, if there's something that comes out, bid on it and it's fair, it's open and it's not that it's unfair, it's a game that is much more complicated than I think the top surface conversations make it seem. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, you get into this and you get a false sense of, uh, and you guys don't do this, but I have seen it over and over and over again from, from other firms. I've got my 8A. Where are my contracts? <laughs> right? right. I'm here. Uh, if, only. <laughs> if only exactly so we were at a women impacting public policy or i think it was one of the u.s women's chamber maybe years ago and there was a there was a panel with some congressional staffers and somebody stood up and said i am an 8a firm and i sell office like post-it notes kind of stuff kind of office supplies and I'm not getting anything because Staples is taking all of my business. And you're supposed to be giving stuff to small businesses and telling this to the Hill staffers who are not buying anything, by the way. But, you know, your small business programs aren't working because I'm not getting my fair share in the office supply realm. And somebody might have actually been me because I might have been a little grumpy that day, turned around and said, well, are you cost effective right. right are you as expen or are you less expensive than staples are you at least 
cost competitive with Staples? And he's like, oh, no, we're much more expensive than Staples. We're a small business. We've got, you know, we don't have the bulk buying power of Staples. Okay. Well, then why would the government, I as a taxpayer, don't want the government spending money on post-it notes that are double the cost of staples. What we need to small businesses are great. Small businesses are incredible, right? They're they're really good at innovation. They're really good at turning quickly. They're really good at certain things. When it's a fungible product, there's no reason to have a small business unless you can distinguish yourself some other way. You know, so can I get them there faster? Will I go and deliver directly to my customer in person because I'm hungry and I want it? That's that's a service that is not what Staples is going to do, right? But if you're not giving something different, if you're not leading with your if you're not leading with your services as opposed to your small business status, you're nowhere. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I've seen that too. You know, I've seen other 8As that have said the same thing. And, you know, obviously that's not our intention um, Mm. whatsoever. But again, we're just trying to make sure that our our potential customers know how amazing the work that we do and how legitimate, if you do project management properly, tailored to the proper size of the project, we will provide project assurance. We've actually trademarked that that phrase, um, providing, making sure that the project, you know, is successful for the ultimate mission. And and that is what makes us different. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to see other A-Days do that. Um, And and I don't see them successful in that way. So I agree with you there. So, So talk to me a little bit before we wrap up here about the services you provide to other government contracting businesses, because that's also intriguing, I would assume, for the listeners who are going to be struggling if, if they have not figured out the CMMC, even the smallest of businesses are going to have to be compliant. And it's a bear and a half um, and not something that I would suggest anyone tries on their own. So talk to me a little bit about what you guys do for other as a, you know, in the B2B realm for other firms that are doing B2G work. Right. Oh, great question. So CMMC obviously is brand new. It's being rolled out. We actually have three cyber experts on staff that are are in charge of, you know, going in, doing an assessment on the organization, doing a gap analysis, comparing the organization to either maturity level one or three, which is what most people, like most organizations are going to have to comply with. Mm-hmm. And then having a list of items that need to be corrected. Now we can go in and then where the magic happened is actually getting the remediation to from that point to the point that you're ready for an actual appraisal. And that's where we come in and and look at your organization. What what are the things that are going to be difficult to implement, what's easy to implement, and making sure that we're dealing with the organizational change management side of that. Right. Every every single defense contractor is going to have to have at least maturity level one. And that doesn't matter if you mow the yards for a base or supply those posting notes. It does not matter. You are going to have to have at least level one, which is um, there's 17 controls associated with level one. And as a business owner, you should be doing this anyway. Right. It's, it's not like this is something that 
you should be doing this. It's your data. You should be protecting it. And, and your data is, is king. So we come in, we do your assessment. We help you see where your holes are. And then we can either help you get you ready or we can just come in and check on you periodically, make sure you're still on the right path. But we treat it as a, a project and a program. And we uh, have you know communication management. We have scope management. We have all the things associated with a project and make sure that it stays on task so that at the end, when, when the appraisals are ready to be performed, you are ready. And, and we already have organizations that are willing that are working on that right now. We have, you know, quite a few customers that are getting ahead of the ahead of the curve. So it, it, that's the main thing that seems to be the hot thing right now. But it, it should have been it should be done anyway, regardless of whether the government's going to require it or not. We also do CMMI uh, for development and for services, which is just you know, establishing your processes and procedures on how you deliver your, either your products or your services to the, the government. Well, you know, back in the 90s and the 2000s, that was, that was a requirement on a lot of government uh, RFPs. And it has, uh, there isn't as many. Um, there's some that are longstanding contracts or even repeats of contracts that that requirement will be on there. So we are helping our customers either maintain their CMMI or get up to CMMI. Now, the big thing there is the version changed from 1.3 to 1.2 or to 2.0. And that has that's a significant change in, in how the CMMI Institute requires you to submit your your projects you used to be able to handpick the two or three projects for the appraisal now you have to submit all your projects and the CMI institute will tell you what projects they're going to select so you have to actually be doing this across your organization as um, practice not just on a couple of projects so that's a huge change and a huge shift for organizations and they're going to get behind the curve if they need that and need that accreditation again it's also the right thing to do of course we help with ISO and then we do when we help with Microsoft project as well. And then for companies that, you know, maybe they just won a, a prime contract or they've been on a prime contract and their PM left, um, they've hired us to be the PM. So we are the PM on a couple of, of contracts for our customers. So that, um, we have um, Air, uh, two Air Force and a Army contract that we are the PMs, of course, as a sub, but their expertise isn't in project management. Their expertise isn't talking to the military customer. That's what we do. We make them look good. So they might do engineering great and they might have, you know, mm-hmm. do financial services great, but they can't mm-hmm. talk to the customer. We can do that for them. Yep. Yep. That makes a whole lot of sense. Well, I really appreciate both of your time today. Um, I think hopefully this was useful to you. Hopefully it was useful to our listeners because it, a lot of the things that you guys are struggling with around the relationships, I think, is is the central piece of what a lot of small businesses trying to move into the government space really, really deal with. So hopefully this was helpful. And I look forward to working with you guys going forward. uh, And hopefully some of the other listeners might be uh, looking forward to that as well. Actually, speaking of which, how do they get in touch with you uh, if they want to work with you, either as a PM or for some of your CMMI, CMMC, uh, ISO work? Great question. So, of course, our website is um, alluvionic.com, A-L-L-U-V-I-O-N-I-C.com. Our phone number is 
1-800-242-4510. My email address is WROMEU at alluvionic.com and Rebecca is rgranger at alluvionic.com. So any of those ways you can find us and, and we would love to help. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much.